0: Welcome to The Loft Podcast. We hope you enjoy this message and that it ignites in you a hunger for more of God's presence in your life.
1: I wanted to share with you a couple things. Um, and, and I don't know, there's some people here I don't, I don't know. I don't know where you are, where, where your life has been, what, what your past is or where you're at right now. Holy Spirit does, the Father does. But all week long, the thought that was coming to me about Easter you know, it's uh, or Resurrection Sunday, it's one of those, you always hear the, the, the messages about Jesus coming on, on the cross and it's Passion Week and all, but I kept hearing this phrase all week long that, um, why the name of Jesus? Why the name of Jesus? Why, why, why do we sing about Jesus? Why do we speak his name when we pray? Why the name of Jesus? And if you have bi- your Bibles, turn to Acts chapter 3. We're going to look at a, a few verses. And I want to talk about this real quickly. Um, Acts chapter 3. Jesus has died. He's, he's risen from the dead. The Holy Spirit has fallen in Acts chapter 2. Now the disciples are headed out, and um, they really don't know what they're doing. The followers of Jesus, which is us, we're just kind of like, okay, we just went through this crazy, wild journey where... Remember, when Jesus was walking the earth, they thought he was going to overthrow the government. And it's really weird. And I don't want to go down this bunny trail because I could get in trouble if I I'm going to I'm going to share this with you. And I don't have time to talk about it. But there were the zealots in the Bible. And they were like just believing that Jesus was the Messiah, the deliverer, and he was going to come rescue them from Rome. And they were like, let's fight. We need a general who can fight. And he's gonna overthrow the government because they were under Rome and and there was peace, but they were in in bondage to the rules of Rome. And they weren't really free, they were in captivity, the Israelites. So they were looking for a deliverer who would come with power and and, and, and like change things. And it's weird because there's a lot going on in our world today and in our government, and there's a lot of Christians that I think are in this camp that I almost want to say they're like zealots, and they're working really hard to kind of overthrow the government with the political means. Now, I'm not saying we don't vote, we don't make our voices count, but there's something about in this season we're in, if we're not careful, we're going to get distracted by a lot of conspiracies, a lot of arguments, a lot of things that get us off track. So all week long, I kept hearing the name of Jesus. The name of Jesus. And it's almost like we don't think when we get sidetracked sometimes all these other things, we don't really believe the power that's in the name of Jesus when we pray it, when we speak it, when we believe it. And so sometimes we rely on our own strength. So during this time, Jesus has died. He's he's resurrected. People have seen him. And it's crazy because even when Jesus came alive, there were bodies that came alive. I mean, there was like an incredible, powerful thing that happened, but not a whole lot of people knew about it. In fact, you would think that all these amazing things that were going on, a dead messiah who did miracles it was put on a cross or all these people saw when all of a sudden he's put in a tomb and it's sealed the stone rolls rolls away and i love this picture of jesus because this is the jesus that i picture he's like running out to go after people to go after their hearts your heart and my heart it's not a this is not a religious picture Usually Jesus has perfectly combed hair, right? And there's lights just shining on him. I love this picture because he is breaking every obstacle to get to you and me. Nothing. And so... I love this story that we're gonna read because Holy Spirit fell on 120 people. Only 120 people were gathered in an upper room. You would think what just happened would just shake the world, right? 120 people were gathered. It wasn't a whole lot of people. Holy Spirit falls. It's powerful. It impacts a lot of people around them. Peter preaches a message. 3,000 people were added to the church. So they did, like there was a, a, a move that happened. But now, here's the story that I wanna share with you really quickly in Acts chapter three. Peter and John, who are so pumped, you know, because they just were with the Holy Spirit, they go up to pray, verse 1 in the temple of chapter 3 of Acts. It's about 3 p.m. in the afternoon. Verse 2, it says, and a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried, whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called Beautiful, to ask alms from those who entered the temple. So this man from his birth was crippled, And he was brought to a gate to beg people for money. The crazy thing about it is this gate, the beautiful, it was called Gate Beautiful. What that, that word means in the original text is it means the gate of the right time. And what's so wild about this story is this man is brought there every day. So you know Jesus must have passed. Why didn't Jesus heal him? And that's where we are because sometimes it's like we're expecting just like the Christians were with Jesus that something we prayed for, something we believed in, that we thought God was going to come through in in a specific way, he didn't. In fact, I have a friend who challenged me one time and he said, quit saying God is in control. I know this might sound her- like heresy to people. Instead, say God is in charge. and He partners with us to bring change to things in the earth. Because then what happens is when things that don't happen, we blame God because he's in control. When in reality, if we would be doing what God said, things would be changing. He partners with us to bring change. That's the way he set it up. And that's what we see here. And so there are a lot of people who use the excuse, well, God's not doing this and God's not doing. This. What if God's like, I want to move through you. Or I want to move through someone else. So here's, here, here's this story where it takes place. And, and it says, so this man's by the gate, beautiful, and he's asking for something. Peter and John, about to go into the temple, asked, he asked him for alms, verse 4. And fixing his eyes on him with John, Peter said, look at us. I love that, look at us. Why do you think he's, I mean, it, it, you got to understand the setting. It's really crowded. There's a lot of people in this gate. People are going in and out of the temple to worship. There's a lot of distractions. And so I think it was kind of a firm, look at us. Give us eye contact. So this guy, he's at the gate. He's all excited because he thinks he's going to get some money. So he gave him his attention, expecting to receive something from them. Verse 6, look at this. Then Peter said, silver and gold I do not have, but what I do give you in the name of Jesus Christ. Whose name? Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. Now I doubt, highly doubt, that that they didn't have money. It wasn't that they didn't have money that they wouldn't, didn't want to give this man. What they wanted to do is instead of meeting a temporary provisional need, they wanted to give him power that would create an eternal transformation in this man's life so he could provide for himself and his family. So instead of giving this a handout, it's like they wanted to give him a hand up and display the power of God in this man's life. Why am I saying this? Because sometimes if we're not listening and close to the heart of Jesus and understanding the power that's in Jesus' name, we'll use human resources to fix heavenly assignments that heaven wants to change through us. It's like God's looking to partner with us to do something miraculous and something powerful, which is to shift a heart. So he says, give him attention. And look what happens now. And then he took him, verse 7, by the right hand and lifted him up. And immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. So he, leaping up, stood and walked and entered the temple with him, walking and leaping and praising God. And all the people saw him praising God. Then they knew that it was he who sat begging alms at the gate, at the beautiful gate. What was the gate? What did it mean? Gate of the right time. So all the people saw him sit at the gate of the right time, and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what just happened to him. This is so powerful because the name of Jesus is so much more powerful. And why the name of Jesus? Because there's no other name in which we can be saved. Acts 4.12 says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind which we must be saved. Why is that? Because what happened was God came to us through Jesus to bring us to him. What we try to do on earth is do everything we can to get to God or everything we can to put ourselves on the throne. The self-rule. So there's power in the name of Jesus because what Jesus did is he came and he gave his life to redeem us from death, destruction, and from the grave. Not just to give us a temporary provisional thing. Not to just bring us relief but to bring us deliverance. I, it was so crazy because we sing a song, The Lamb. And for people who don't know what that is, it's, Jesus is pictured as a lamb. It's, it's, it's symbolic because he gave himself to be slaughtered at the cross. He gave himself as a sacrifice because he was perfect. He had to fix, in, in layman terms, he had to fix what man screwed up. Had to be somebody who was perfect, and so God himself, which is such a crazy thought that the God of all creation would love you and me so much that he, he, he would come and give himself to his son because the three are one. So there's the lamb who gave himself as a sacrifice. And then scripture says there's a lion, the lion of the tribe of Judah. So there's this other part of Jesus. that's like, Raw! right? This roar. And I'm like, I was thinking about that this week and I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want my people to stand in front of the lamb but behind the lion. I want my people to stand in front of the lamb but behind the lion. What does that mean? Stand in front of what he's provided with assurance that he did that for me. Because I can look back and go, whoa, the lamb. But the lion is your deliverer. The lamb is your savior. And there's a lot of people that keep wanting to get saved. I just want relief from my situation because it's so bad. What if you got, you took a different step and determined, I don't want to just get saved from a situation. We've been saved from death to life. You don't have to get saved over and over and over again. Jesus doesn't just come and get mad at you. Okay, I'm leaving. He's not relationally wired that way. Scripture says he'll never leave us. He'll never forsake us. When you invite the God of creation into your heart, he's not going to walk away from you because he's mad at you or because you screwed up. So the lamb we look back to, especially when we screw up, we say, thank you. For the blood, please forgive me for the blood. But the lion is the one who delivers us, and you don't want to stand in front of the lion. The lion's after the enemies of our faith. The lion roars, the lion is to bring destruction to the enemies. So I stand in front of the lamb and I stand behind the lion, which means I look back at what Jesus did and I thank him for what he did and I plead his blood. But I stand behind the lion because the lion is the deliverer. See, we've got to get to a point where we just don't want temporary relief. I don't just want some alms. I just need enough to buy a burger So that tomorrow when I come back out, I've got a full belly so I can buy something else. Now, I'm not just saying, this is like how we live our lives sometimes. If I can just make it through the day. If I can just make it through this. If I can just do It's like we live from crisis to crisis. Because we don't understand really the lion or the lamb. And so two men who really don't know what they're doing, this is like the first big miracle, really, that the disciples did on their own, are just out and they see, and something has moved in them. And instead of giving this man something that's temporary, that will relieve his pain, they take a crazy act of faith. Holy Spirit comes upon them. He's already in them because they received Jesus. He breathed on them. And Luke, all of a sudden, something rises up in them and they take a risk. See, something has to happen where we understand about the lamb. And if the lion is out to devour the works of the enemy, we can partner with the lion and see people's lives change. Something inside of them rose up and they give the name of Jesus. Now, here's what's so crazy, because here's what we need to understand about the name of Jesus. What's so powerful is when you stand in front of the lamb, you have what's called, you and I, when we use the name of Jesus, the power of attorney. Say that with me, the power of attorney. Do you know what the power of attorney is? How many know what that is legally? All right. Well, let me just explain what the power of attorney is. It says that I can use someone else's name to declare legal right. Think about that for just a second. Everything that belongs to God, people, situations, it's not just prayer. We, we use a word around here called declaration, declaring, decreeing. And sometimes you don't see it right away. Do you know why? This is where you can't lose faith. Because some of us trip or we don't see things or we get frustrated and we give up and we lose faith. Sometimes what the Lord wants to do through the lion as you're following the lion, as he's making a path and making a way, is exactly what happened here. I don't know why Jesus passed by this man and saw him and didn't do anything. He decided to let the disciples do it. But did you notice what happened that when they took him by the hand and he got up and he was walking all around? Everyone around saw it, and it shifted more than just this man. It impacted the region. It impacted the people around them. So there are things that the lion is after that are bigger than just you and me. They involve more than just you and me. They involve other people. They involve other lives. It's a legal right, which means that you and I can decree and declare because of the lamb things that the lion is after. Things like, Father, I declare in Jesus' name that my body be healed. And what's really weird, you guys, is sometimes when I pray those prayers, I get sicker. And it's almost like the other lion, because the Bible says there's the the devil who's a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour, there's also another lion now. So if you've got the lion in front of you and the lamb behind you, it's really important you understand this. I work really good with pictures. So you got the lamb who made it possible for you and I to come into relationship with the Father by inviting him to come and live in our hearts and change us. And we got the lion in front of us that's delivering us. We've been saved. We're being delivered from things that have held us captive So if you've got the lion in front of you and you've got the lamb behind you, where's the roaring lion? He's on the side trying to distract you away. He's roaring over here. He's roaring over here to distract you and he's roaring over here. If this doesn't work, he's going to come around this way and he's going to roar over here to condemn you. And here's what's so crazy. When he's coming over here to condemn you and tell you you're no good piece of blank, you turn to the lamb and say, this is what the lamb did. His blood did this in Jesus' name. Leave. Then when he comes over here to distract you, to pull you away, to cause all this chaos, that's when you look at the lion. In the name of Jesus, devour this take care of this because I can't. This you took care of over here. This is the enemy coming against me after my faith. So I release the lion of Judah against this. And what's so crazy is you can release the lion on people you're praying for too. Go after them, Father. Deliver them. Yes, we can say that because we partner with him. When I said earlier, that's what the Lord wants us to do is partner with him because the church the faith was never about us it's about him and the people he's after so there's a lion and a lamb and here's what's really crazy all the power everything we need when we ask the lamb to forgive us and Jesus to come and dwell inside of us and it's not just a prayer that we pray it's a heart It's totally surrendered. That's what baptism is. It's just I'm dying to who I used to be, like Jesus in the tomb, and when I come up out of the water because of what he did for me, I'm a new creation. And I saw this picture, and I'm like, what if you look at this picture, and what if you get in your mind that, that he's focused on you? He's coming after you. He doesn't care where you are or where you've been. He wants you. He doesn't want you to have perfect church attendance or expect you to do everything perfect. That's what religion does. Do you know that, that the religious spirit can never celebrate? That's why when you go to churches sometimes. It's like, maybe you came here and, and you weren't used to people going, yeah, and, like screaming. And people are like, okay, it's kind of weird in here. It's because we celebrate. The religious spirit can't celebrate. Sometimes you go to churches and it just feels like, man, if I like, it, it, sometimes it feels like judgment. And we've had that here too. We've, we, we still are human. very human. But, The religious spirit can't celebrate. Do you know why? Because it expects perfection. And so what happens is it always raises the bar higher. Okay, you did that, but now this. If we could be perfect, why would he need to come? There's no reason. But what's so crazy, and this might offend some of you, But if you're living without him, then you must believe somewhere you don't need him because you're living perfect. Seriously. And that's called I'm on the throne. It's called humanism. Humanism is self-rule. And it can look a whole bunch of different ways. We can have other things we're worshiping. But really what I'm saying is I'm, I'm technically I'm perfect or I'm good enough and I don't need him. And that whole lie about, well, I'm a good person, it's really a lie because if we're honest, none of us are really good. I mean, we all have our dark sides. We all have these things that we don't tell people about. Somehow, when everybody comes to church and they're all pretty and painted up and dressed up, we may not look like we have stuff, but we all do. None of us are perfect. That's why he had to come because he had no sin. And the crazy thing about the whole thing is he loves me even in my imperfection. I had a stepfather that beat the crud out of me growing up. Real work-driven childhood with my stepdad. Till I learned I don't have to be perfect or get it right all the time. Because he got it right all the time. Really, what he wants is a relationship with me. So then, if the religious spirit can never celebrate, then what do we do? Because it's not about perfection. It's about progress. That's why, in a nutshell, I had you guys shout, when people got baptized, because they're progressing forward. Yeah! If you've been clean for a month, yeah! If you haven't looked at porn for a month, yeah! It's progress. Some of us might feel like, You just don't know where I've been. Start to find the things you're making progress in because of what the lamb has done and what the lion is doing. In the Christian faith, relational faith, not religion, we're always moving forward because the kingdom is about expansion. The kingdom is about room. But with the religious spirit, you can't move forward until you fix this. And we can't fix it. He has to come he has to come and change my heart. Someone asked John to come, and I want him just to share a brief word he had in his spirit. And um, we believe here that God speaks through all of us, not just me. He speaks through all of us. We hear his voice. And I had a conversation with my son, Tyler. He's in. I went and saw him, and many of you know, you've written him letters. He's in... Bend right now at the youth challenge. And we're sitting in the truck yesterday. And I go, Tyler, because he was talking about some struggles he was having. I go, do you? What, God's, what does God tell you? What is he telling you during the day? And he was quiet. And I go, Tyler, do you hear God's voice? No. I go, how do you know you don't hear God's voice? Oh, I don't always don't hear God's voice. And the reason I'm sharing this with you is this is what I shared with him. What does God's voice sound like? I don't know. God's voice sounds a lot like your voice. So sometimes we're hearing God when we think it's our own thoughts and it's God. Can I tell you, like, you might have heard God's voice some, I don't know when, because you're here. Some of you are thinking, I would never be in a place like that. I'd never be on my vision. But you're here. Well, somebody asked me to be here. Well, somebody asked you, but you used to have free will. You could have made an excuse and not been here. Something spoke to you and drew you here. It's called God. If he came in a different voice, you'd probably wet your pants. So he knows, I got to come in a voice you can recognize. <laughs> he comes in a voice you can recognize. So I was expecting this audible, big, booming voice like James Earl Jones. When he speaks to your spirit and says, Suze, Susie, go hug that person. And you feel, I just need to go hug them. Well, yeah, you may feel it, but God impressed you. Because every good and perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. I want to encourage all of you in this room. You hear God. And I don't care if you're not, you think you're not serving him or you're far away. You hear God. What he wants is for you to experience him like this man did You might not be paralyzed, but there's some things in your life that he needs to radically touch and change.
0: A couple things the Lord laid on my heart is, first of all, without a death, there's no resurrection. Many of you know that my wife has been in the hospital since February 21st, and she's in a coma, and it's been very tough. And people have said, I don't know how you're so strong. Well, it's not me standing here. The Bible says that when we're weak, that he's strong. So he's my strength. And it's like Michaela was talking about, about digging wells. I've been spending many years digging wells, just spending time with the Lord, and I know the Lord. I know his goodness. I know I know him, and he's been so good. He's been so good during this time. As a matter of fact, I can honestly say he's been closer to me than I've ever felt him. His presence is just right there. But this season also, with You know, I shared about getting baptized, you know, years ago, but it's also a season that I remember when we were missionaries down in the Caribbean, there was a friend of mine came up from Trinidad. We had a missionary fellowship where we would all get together, and we would go out and do different things. We would plan out and strategize how we're going to reach the different islands, but one day we were doing our fun stuff, and he loved to scuba dive, and I loved to scuba dive, and we went in my little boat out on the reef, and we got out to the reef, and uh, we anchored the boat, we put our scuba gear on, we just got in the water, and I looked over to my left, and he it was about, about as deep as this, but he was face down on the bottom, and I'm thinking, you know, you have to understand, you know, his name is Dale Priser. Dale Prizer, he would mess with you. We'd be out diving, and he'd reach over and turn off your oxygen. It's like, you know, it's like, thanks a lot, Dale. You know, I mean, we were just always, we had so much fun, and my kids would call him Uncle Dale. When you're on the mission field, the other missionaries are Auntie uncle and so that was Uncle Dale. And so we had this great time, and so here he is on the bottom, and I'm thinking, what in the world? So I went over to him. His regulator wasn't in his mouth. And so I went over and I ins- inflated his BC, it's a, the vest that you wear, and I got him up to the surface. Uh, at that point, he was breathing, but it was kind of labored breathing. And what happened was, I, I, off in the distance, there was a diving boat, and I flagged it down. It came over, got him into the boat. We got to the shore. Sarah and my boys and his wife were down the other way. We sent somebody to get them. They came, and as they were there working on him, my boys got in the way because they were praying for Uncle Dale. And um, they took off to the hospital, and I got to the hospital about 15 minutes behind the ambulance. And when I got there, his wife, Karen Prizer, came out of the hospital room and said, John, I'm sorry, but he's gone. It's like, what? You know, I mean, what in the world? You know, it just, it just hit me. Well, of course, as you can imagine, you know, you're, you're devastated. But again, there's the hope of eternal life. Again, do we really believe in eternal life? Do we really believe that when we, what the Bible says, to be absent from the body is to be present with the Lord? Do we really believe it? Do we really believe it? So I remember his wife went and asked me to go in and take the ring off of his finger. That was the very first time I ever prayed for somebody to be raised from the dead. I laid hands on him and I prayed for him to be raised from the dead. I wish I could say that he raised from the dead, but he didn't. It It didn't happen. Without a death, there's no resurrection. And so what happened is his boys came in it was it was Easter time it was Easter time Everything was shut down, so the coroner couldn't come and do the autopsy, so they couldn't release his body to go back to the States with his wife. So they flew his boys in, twin boys. They were 22 years old and their daughter. They came in, and they would cry, and, they, and we had an apartment in our house down below. They just spent time. They would grieve, and we would hear them talking and crying and then, and then laughing, just remember stories about their dad and just, just, just a very precious time. And what happened is I went to the boys and I said, you know what, if that was me, I'd want to go to the spot where it happened. Do you want me to take you to the spot where it happened? And they said, yes. So we went to the hotel and they had a dive boat. They took us out to the spot and we got to the spot because I knew where it was because there was a reef and it was right about where the reef was there and we were here. And so I was just getting ready to say it happened right about here. And all of a sudden inside of the reef were two whales. Now, again, this is in the Caribbean, and it's on the inside of the reef, and it's only about this deep. I don't know if you've ever been next to a whale that's like 50, 60 feet long. It was a a mother whale and a calf, and they were swimming. Well, the boys looked at each other. I didn't know the story until later on, but the boys looked at each other. They put their masks on because this was a dive boat that they were in, and they jumped in, and they were swimming with the whales. When I say swimming, like from here to the wall, but still, when you're next to a 50, 60-foot whale... They got back in the boat and they said, you know what? We always had the dream with our dad that we wanted to swim with whales. And they looked up to heaven and they said, thank you, dad. Not that the whale was dad, but basically that that dad said, Jesus, I have this favor. Can you just send some whales for my boys? Those little God kisses that God gives, that's how much he loves us. That Sunday That Sunday, Easter Sunday, I preached without a death, there's no resurrection, and I told that story about Dale Prizer. I can tell you that three people stood up in that little country church and accepted Jesus that day. The devil thought he'd won, but when the dust settled, three other people had accepted Jesus. I also talked about who's gonna take his place because he he was an amazing missionary. He was ahead of his time. I mean he was he was reaching into the business community when when it's like okay, you know, that's even before we started talking about seven mountains and everything. He was reaching in the business and the government and all these areas. He had all this influence and 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 it was like, God, I don't understand. But the Lord had me preach that Sunday who's gonna take his place. And I'm gonna ask you this story. I almost said this morning i 'm going to ask you tonight who 's going to take his place without a death there 's no resurrection. if you are here tonight and you feel like you want to give everything to jesus i don 't care if you 've been a christian for a long time i don 't care if you're you 're backslidden and you 're just coming back or if if you 're totally right with God, but you know that there's some things in your life that you y- you're just going through the motions of going to work and coming home, going to work, coming home, and you know that there's more, I just want you to stand to your feet right now and just say, I want to fill that spot. I want to be that person that's going to, to, to fill Del Priser's spot and all those others that have gone on before me that knew the Lord, that were doing mighty things. I want to be used of God. If, you would, if, you, if that's you, just go ahead and stand to your feet, please. Come on. Now, what I'd like you to do is I'd like you to come down and stand down here, please. Come stand down. But I want you to do it a little bit different. I, this is, I've never done this before, but I want you to come and stand. But I want you to stand up here as close as you can here and turn around and face out there. Now, every single person that's standing here is here because of the blood of Jesus. There's not one perfect here. There's not one perfect person that's here. But the Bible says in 1 John 1, 9, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That's why we're here. It's the righteousness of Christ that's been placed upon us. And so what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask, I know this is, again, but everybody else is already up here, so there's no, there's no pressure. The pressure is probably setting there instead of coming up here. But what we want to do is if there's anybody that either you're away from God and you need Jesus or... You've never, ever accepted Jesus, but again, you want to give your life to Jesus, then we want you to just come, and one of these people are going to pray for you, because we want to welcome you to the family. This is a family. We are a family. We're not just saying that. I mean, you know, those that come in through these doors, they feel it, and they sense it, and they know that we're a family. So you, you know, at a family reunion, do you feel, uh, do you feel nervous at a family reunion, No, you go because they're family. You just hang out with them, and you just do life together with them. And so is there anybody that would like to come and be prayed for? Because we're going to end right now, but is there anybody that would like to come and be prayed for by one of these that are standing here? All right. Uh, Let's do this. I'm going to ask you guys to join in some small groups, okay, if we could, if that's okay, Jack. Uh, Just join in some small groups with those around you, and I want you guys to pray together, okay, Find out if you don 't know them, find out their name, and I want you to um, I want you to just pray with them and before you start praying i 'm going to just pray over you because I know you came forward for a reason because you want to you want to be that person you want you want to you want to stand up and say yes to Jesus so Lord right now you see everybody 's heart that 's here God. And God, even though we didn't like pray a prayer or that we didn't uh, do different things, uh, God, I I know that they're here because they took a stand for you. They want to say yes. Without a death, there's not a resurrection. They want to die to themselves so that Jesus, that you could live within them. God, they want to die to their their own desires. They want to die to those things that are holding them back. We come against everything that's holding them back. Every lie of the enemy, may it be stopped and stilled in Jesus' name, and may they know their identity. May they know their destiny. May they know that they are children of God. And I thank you, God, for everyone that's here tonight. And it's no coincidence that they're here. They're here for a purpose and for a plan in Jesus' name. All right, well, let's have some family time. Let's pray for one another. Find out maybe what some needs are. If anybody needs healing, anybody, uh, just, just, just go ahead and start in your groups. You, you guys got it. I know what you're, you know what you're doing. If you were inspired by today's message, be sure to hit subscribe on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you stream your podcast. For more information about The Loft or for gathering times and locations, you can check out our website at www.theloftnw.org or find us on Facebook and Instagram. Thanks for tuning in, and we hope you'll join us again next time.